Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker betting show. This is your Royal Ascot day two, the Wednesday preview. I'm your host, George Ellick, and I'm delighted to be joined by Odds Checker's very own racing tipster, Andy Holding. Andy, we've just recorded day one, yep. and in that, we, we spoke about the weather and what the going's going to be like and the rest of it. So, for the most part, we can get straight into it. But we'll do a, a few pleasantries just to start. And one thing we didn't cover, which is something I know you're very keen on stressing, Ascot is a, a track unlike others, and what kind of horse is it that you generally look for when you're kind of profiling your Royal Ascot winners? Usually speaking, George, you, you want horses that come from off the pace. It's very, very difficult, by and large, to make all the running on the straight track. Races like the Royal Hunt Cup, it has been done in the past. I think one of uh, Amanda Perrett's did it not so long ago. But generally speaking, you want to be on horses that have nothing to do with early speed give them plenty of chance, and then once the sort of two furlong marker comes, that's when they engage. I think that's probably one of the reasons why Jamie Spencer, for instance, rides the straight track as well as anyone, because habitually I think he, he likes to give his horses um, a chance in their races and, and, and rides them accordingly. The round track as well, similarly, it's very difficult to make all on the round track. Um, it's, a long, you know, it's a short home straight, but it's a, it's a long way if you've made the running up to that point. It's all uphill as soon as you turn for home. Plus the fact that you want Ascot form, if you, mm. if you can. That's what I, nine times out of ten, particularly in the handicaps, try and look for. It's a bit more tricky when you're dealing with the three-year-olds <laughs> and, and the juveniles that haven't had the experience. But those, those three-year-old handicaps, such as the Britannia, the King George handicap, there's a little bit of a leap of faith there um, um, with regards to whether they handle the track or not. But the more established races, let's say, most of the field would have probably raced at Ascot at some stage. Um, and if they haven't, I think that's a disadvantage. Great stuff. Well, let's find those uh, horses with Ascot form in the book. Uh, we'll get into Wednesday's racing now. Before we do, just going to, as ever, point you in the direction of the Odds Checker app uh, and the website as well. There you can find the best prices, bookie offers, free bets, uh, and place terms, which are all important here, as well as Andy's tips and Steve Ryder's on there as well, uh, where you can find those tips first and foremost. So go and download the app now. We've listened to your feedback in the past, and we're recording this one a little bit earlier. Um, we're recording this on Thursday before the week's racing, and that does mean that we do have horses that have multiple entries. We've got horses uh, that are going to come out at the, the final deck stage as well. So you have to bear with us a little bit. It's not quite as cut and dry as these being the final fields, but we have a pretty good idea of who goes where. Um, it's fair to say that trainers these days are, are asked their plans for these horses a fair bit in the lead up to the, the, the week. So hopefully we'll be able to, to cut our way through that. And we're going to start with the first race on Wednesday, which is the Queen Mary States, the Group 2. And here, Born to Rock is just about favourite at 9-2 to two with William Hill, 4-1 four, four to one pretty much across the board elsewhere. Beautiful Diamond, 5-1. to one. Classic Flower, uh, one of those maybe unlikely runners is 10-1. to one. The Midnight Fair, 10-1. to one. Got to Love a Grey, 10-1. to one. Crimson Advocate, 10-1. to one. Ocean Mermaid, 10-1 to one as well. Uh, and a few others, 12-1, to one, bar those. Uh, Andy, how do you see this first, the opener on, on Wednesday? Well, quite a lot of the two-year-old races, um, <coughs> traditionally over the years, um, what we found, say we, um, us guys that do the, the time figures together, um, we, we don't often find that the market mirrors the numbers that we have, and there can be prices that are completely out of whack. Um, but in this instance, in the Queen Mary, um, probably because there's a lot of people out on social media that advertise these times, and it's yeah. not just us that do them. Um, they, they've managed to work out the right favourite based on the time figure she did first time. That's Broad to Rock. Mm. Marginal favourite, though. Marginal, yeah, 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 yeah. Obviously, you have to shop around. Um, 
she was well touted on a debut at Yarmouth um, not so long ago, and she really did know her job. Got to the front, and I always like horses that quicken off the front. Mm. I think the ones that sort of get the luxury running in behind the speed, and then they show a good turn of foot. They've obviously preserved energy, but it's it's. I think it's really more impressive um, when it's done by a two-year-old um, from the front, and her back end sectionals. Um, really did back up the overall time as well. The time figure was incredibly good. A, a figure that surpassed anything that any of the two-year-old fillies achieved going into last year's Queen Mary, to give you some kind of context. Uh, Dramatised, we had that horse um, top of the figures last year and she yeah. obliged uh, and beat the American horses. So there's a good chance that um, the UK horses are, um, are, are very much above average. Um, so a huge amount of respect to not only that horse but to her trainer as well. I think Jane Chappelheim often goes completely under the radar and her horses get under bet. Mm. Um, but she's got an amazing record in these you know, sort of big, big races when she's got a good one. I think she had, I think she had two winners in two seconds last year from four runners, something like that. Yeah. Uh, don't quote me on that, I might be wrong, but I know she had a very good Royal Ascot last year. And there's a good chance that she will do again this year. It's not the only horse that she's got with a live chance. So I think Born to Rock is definitely on my shortlist. As you mentioned... Um, Just on Born to Rock quickly, because you know the time was obviously good, and Born to Rock beat Jewin, uh, the, the, the Gosman horse, by four and a half lengths, or four and a, and a quarter lengths. But the form of those in behind has not, has not been frank. Jewin mirroring a mantra, second, third, and fourth, all well down the field in their second runs. How much does that concern you, or because the winning distance was so far, are you happy just to, to draw a line through that and look at the time? Well, um, it all depends how deep you go go back into that race because if you if you actually go down to the tenth, here we go. Yeah. If you go down to the tenth, <laughs> you'll probably see that I won at Chelmsford the other night and yeah. landed a gamble twenty eight to one into eight to one. Yeah. Um, so one or two people obviously took. Lady Sardinia. Uh, yeah, that's the one. Mantra, who was fourth, I actually put that up in my column the other day. But lo and behold, she went and missed the break again. She missed the break at Yarmouth and ran on through beaten horses, but she completely missed it, uh, even more so at yeah. Nottingham. So again, you could probably draw a line through that. And I thought Jim, uh, the horse of Gosens, Jim Win, Jim Win, and respect right, to right. Doncaster, finished fourth, third or fourth, something like that. Yeah, ten lengths back. Yeah, it, it wasn't a bad run at all. So mixed messages, let's say. Okay. Um, but yeah, the number number still stands. It, it's it's the top top figure that we've got. Um, so depending on the draw, that's another thing we we got to mention. A lot of these horses we're going to be mentioning uh, in in the races where we haven't got the full fields. We don't know what's declared, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, they're subject to flux because, mm -hmm. you know, say I've got a short list of two or three even in some cases, one gets drawn 20, 25 and it's all you know, middle to low on the evidence of day one, then obviously I've got licence to sort of change and, and uh, move my, move my um, chess pieces on the, around the board accordingly. So providing this does, does get a good draw, then that will definitely be um, on my short list. And the other one is the second favourite, which... Like I say, it sometimes doesn't always go like that. But beautiful diamond clocked a, a decent number. Not as good a time as, as Born to Rock uh, did at Yarmouth, but it, it's just the manner she did it in Nottingham. She was mm. uh, one of these breezers. I think she cost 320 grand as a breezer. Um, impressed a lot of the breezers. Um, I think it was at, at, at Doncaster. Um, hence the fact that she was well sought after. And boy, oh boy, did she really quicken. Um, Fantastic back-end sectional, 33 and change. It was a race that Mantra actually ran into. If you're looking for a like-for-like -like guide, which could be a little bit spurious, but um, Mantra was never in that race at Nottingham behind Beautiful Diamond. 
uh, whereas you know she was relatively close up to, to born to rock at Yarmouth. And, and interesting, the beautiful diamonds basically sent off the same price as Mantra, despite Mantra having that yeah. that form in the book. As Absolutely, well. yeah. Um, but yeah, just liked everything about. It. And of course, Carl Burke's just got an amazing mm. team of two roles, as we know. He's, he's you know delivered the goods right from the start of the season. Uh, he's got a, you know the looks of elite status. We'll talk about. Um, yeah. The horse that won the Mary Gate at York. Um, he actually had the second as well. He's got um, second favourite here, so he's got a really strong, powerful bunch of two-year-olds. Um, so yeah, I, th I think she's she's a, a, a real contender. Um, those are the only two actually that really kind of like stood out. I haven't really got too many further down the list. I've looked at all the American horses, Wesley Warden, what he's likely to bring over. Dare I say they don't look. As good mm -hmm. as, as perhaps you know the Lady Aurelias of this world back back in the day. Um, I've got a little bit of time for what's called Relief Rally. Um, William Haggis's um, two-year-old who's won a couple of races at Windsor and then at Salisbury. Twelve to one. Yeah, load the colours of a horse called Juniper Berries. Now Juniper Berries is a very interesting runner because Juniper Berries was odds-on to beat Relief Rally that day um, off the back of a scintillating performance at. Bath first time out on, mm. on, on really quick ground, which he scooted away, won, won in a very fast time. Um, but she got no cover at all at Salisbury. He was very keen in the hands of Charlie Bishop. He couldn't settle her, whereas um, I think it was Ross Arana Road Relief Rally, was able to sit in behind and, and pull out and pounce and quicken away. I think Juniper Berry's at 40 to 1, if you shop around, or certainly plenty of 33 around. I think we'll probably outrun her odds because I think in a bigger field where she'll get cover and she can settle and switch off. Her finishing kick, which she showed at Bath, will be more, 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 um, seen to more advantage. So, she would definitely be another one I'd be interested in a real wild price. Um, but that the, I think the front end of the market is absolutely spot on. Relief rally twelve to one across the board. Uh, you're getting forty to one um, there for Juniper Berries uh, with a couple of firms. I think eight 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 one of them. Uh, yeah, eight 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 and Bet Victor <coughs> and Parry Match the, the three. Um, bookies offering 40s about Juniper Berries if we follow that form line. Uh, we don't have any prices yet for the second race on the card, the Kensington Palace Stakes. So keep your eyes peeled next week. If anyone's got a bet, it'll be up in his column on the day. Um, but the Duke of Cambridge next up, the Group 2. And here we've got uh, Jumbly is the 9-4 favourite with Bet UK and William Hill. Laurel 4-1, to one. Prosperous Voyage 6-1, to one. Inspiral 8-1, to one. Above the Curve 8-1, to one. Just Beautiful 9-1, to one. Um, Grand Dame. And Honey Girl, both 14 to 1, 16 to 1 bar those. Uh, plenty of form in the book for these, Andy. Um, how do you see the market? Again, I think they've got the right favourite um, with Jumbly. Um, it's interesting the day then when she ran at the Curra, um, she was fairly easy to back, which suggested perhaps mm. the run would be needed. So the fact that she came out best of the three horses at, at Joseph O'Brien in that particular race. The other two, I think, had, had previous experience as well. Um, Honey Girl, I think, was one of them, and there was another one as well. Uh, they were relatively um, uh, well found in the market. Um, Goldano, I think, was the other one. Goldano, yeah. Yeah, I think Goldano was the other one. Second, third, and fifth. Yeah, and, and, and they didn't run up to, to, to their best form. Um, it was a rather strange race in, 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 in the sense it was a stop-start one, and it suited just beautiful. It kicked off the front. I think that was definitely the place to be at the, um, at the core of that day, particularly over on the far rail. Similar to Haydock the other weekend when that was well documented, you needed to be on the stand side. There was mm. a big bias that day. I think there was a big bias at the Curra when Just Beautiful won. And it certainly didn't suit Jumbly because he was stuck out on the wing on the outside, no cover, challenged on the outside, went past everything apart from the front runner who obviously got first run. But uh, given the strength of the market or the lack of strength in the market, 
uh, and the way she came home um, suggested to me that Royal Ascot was very much the number one objective. Um, more to the point that on our last start for Harry and Roger Charlton, when changing the UK, she won at Ascot, albeit on the round track. So she's got Ascot experience. Um, mm. I don't think she's more on the ground. So yeah, I think she's the right favourite. Um, Laurel's on, obviously on a bit of a retrieval mission after disappointing last time out, but she could easily bounce back. I wouldn't totally rule her out. Obviously, Inspire from the same style will probably run in the Queen Anne. I think that's um, fairly um, well documented. Um, so yeah, I thought, I thought they got the right favourite. Um, and the other one I thought would run okay is um, Heredia, if she was to run. I don't know whether this is the plan or maybe one of the Phillies handicaps later on in the week. Heredia 33 to 1. Yeah, she never really got into the race to land a meaningful blow at, at the um, front runner, Moon, I think it was um, White Moonlight at, um, at Musselburgh the other day. But that was barely basically borne out the fact she's often slowly away. Yeah. Being slowly away and at the back of the field at Musselburgh is no good to anyone. But on a straight track, like I explained in, in the, in the, uh, the build-up, if you've got a hold-up horse that has nothing to do with early pace and comes so strong at the end, mm. that's the kind of horse that you want. It gives you a plenty of chance to get into your, into your rhythm. And, of course, she won at the straight mile last year. Yeah. Um, that landed a gamble off 98. Absolutely, yeah. She looked a good thing that day. So... She'd be an interesting runner she used to run here, but I've got a sneaky feeling there might be something on the agenda with regards to handicaps with her, maybe, maybe not this particular event. So yeah, I think Jumbly's the number one choice for me. Yeah, still got a rating of 124 pounds higher than yeah. that winning mark last year. Yeah. And Heredia, 33 to one as it stands now, but maybe not one to back now, because obviously mm. before um, final decks, that would be a, a loser, no, no non-run, no better round uh, for Royal Ascot. Um, on to the first, well, the only uh, group one, on the card on Wednesday, it is of course the, the Prince of Wales. Um, and here we've got uh, Luxembourg heads the market two to one with every single firm on Oddschecker, which is pretty rare. Um, Adar <laughs> is the nine to four second favorite, uh, seven to two, My, My Prospero, Baybridge, 11 to two, and 16 to one bar those. Um, an interesting race this where you've got four quality horses at the top end of the market um, with, yeah, with, with a Others who are seemingly, I mean, you think this race is going to cut up a, a fair bit over the next couple of days. Um, where do you see it at, the, at this stage? Yeah, we might not get um, each way betting one, two, three here. I think it could be mm. six or seven runners, which will be a bit of a shame from that perspective. So if you do fancy something now that's uh, an each way price, an each way price, then probably, yeah, prob yeah, probably now is the time to take advantage. Um, I've got nothing bad to say against Luxembourg. He's an extremely talented horse. Mm. Um, I think he wants it like this, you know, wants it like the ta our table. I think he really quickens well on it. Um, some um, people say in the media, he, he, you know, he wouldn't break glass with, he, with, his, with his stride. He kind of like flicks over the ground. Um, and he was really good when he won last time at the Curra. You know, he, the other horse came at him and he battled again when he looked like he might come out second best. So he has got a decent um, heart. I don't think he's got a glass chin at all. Um, but I do slightly prefer ADR. Not mm. necessarily at the prices, because they're both two to one each or two, and you can get nine to four for ADR if you're being picky. Um, but the way that he turned away Amnar, he went up extremely high, highly in my estimation. I've always thought he was a good horse, but dropping back to a mile and a quarter up against Amnar, I think, or I thought at the time was the, new, the new coming over a mile and a quarter based on his numbers that he did last year. Um, and Charlie Appleby's charge just blew him away, and Amnar's gone on to win subsequently. 
So the form's rock solid. And, and the beauty about Adiar as well, unlike Luxembourg, he's got Ascot form. Um, I think it's so crucial that you've had a run or two around Ascot, and here he has obviously won the King George. Um, on quick ground at the time, that might have been thought of as not ideal for him. Mm. Uh, there is a, one or two showers forecast for next week as well, so if it, you know, if it does ease up a little bit, then that'll definitely help, help his cause. But all in all, he comes in in excellent form. And another thing to point as well and stress is that Charlie Appleby's horses are now in much better form than they were yeah. even at the time when Adiar was winning, particularly the, the period around the Derby and the Oaks when both of his classic contenders ran really bad. I think his horse military order finished last of 20. Mm. It was impossible for that horse to finish last. There must have been something wrong with the yard for that to happen. Mm. I think that was the telltale sign. But now they seem to have come out the doldrums, um, which is great going into the Royal Meet and that's when you want your horses peaking, isn't it? Not two, three weeks prior. Um, it all points in the direction of Adiar for me. Adi on nine to four, uh, two to one across the board, but nine to four. That as with Bet three six five and Bet UK, and the selection in the Prince of Wales. Uh, now on to the five o'clock, the Royal Hunt Cup, where we've got Perotto is the eight to one favourite, had a Saga at nine to one, Astro King ten to one, Garley twelve to one, Shining Blue fourteens, Awal fourteens, sixteen to one, Latam, uh, and Chasing Aphrodite and Croupier. Blue for you. I mean, plenty here again because we're doing this early on. There are about 750 horses priced up at this stage. Um, but Andy, from from where we're sitting right now, uh, who do you see being the value? I should also say that a couple of firms are already going five places as well. Paddy Power, Betfair Sportsbook, and, and Betfred are already offering the five. I think on the day you're likely probably to get six or, or maybe even mm. more. Maybe even more. Yeah. You, who knows nowadays with with bookmakers what like, what they'll be prepared to offer you. Um, I'd say minimum six places on a, on a race like this. You'll probably need it as well. I think maximum field, isn't it? 30 odd or whatever, yeah. 32. The draw is obviously going to be more crucial than a race like this, and it would do me talking about group races where there's only been seven or eight runners. Um, so I'm going to kind of not necessarily keep my powder dry, um, but the ones I'm going to mention now, they could easily change if they get absolute rotten draws. Yeah. Um, and I must admit, when I'm... When I, knew I was going to do this podcast I and mean, you're piecing it together in advance like a week or two in advance I was rather hoping that the one I was going to be talking about uh, predominantly was going to be a better price than what he is but I think a lot of shrewd people have come down on the side of Perotto mm. I mean he's like 14 16 to 1 when anti-post books open I am backed him by the way so I'm not sort of flagging up um, <laughs> being a, a wise guy um, I, I, I haven't touched him yet um, but he's, he's, he's very much got the right credentials and the right profile for this race. First and foremost, he ran the Victoria Cup, mm-hmm. which is probably one of the most preeminent trials for, for the Royal Hunt Cup. You often find that um, you know, running in that big field handicap over a trip short of, of, of your best gives you a, a natural progression into you know, running over a furlong further a month later. And all his best form, Parato, he's over a a mile and a straight mile as well at that. He won the Britannia Handicap, I think it was two years ago, maybe three years ago, when trained by Marcus Dragoning. It's interesting that the same owners have got him, but he's now with a different trainer. It's almost as if they said to Roger, right, we want you to train this specifically for yeah. the Royal Hunt Cup. Not as though that Roger and the child needs um, uh, telling exactly what to do with the horse or, or the programme book, but um, I've got a feeling that conversation has definitely been had. Um, and he very much ran with, like he, he was you know, in, in need of further in, in that Victoria Cup. He did all his best work at the end. I think he finished eighth or ninth. Might have even been closer. Might have been, was it seventh? Seventh. Seventh, yeah. sorry, yeah. Fifth, um, fifth in his in, in, in 14 in, in that group. Yeah, that side. it was an excellent effort. Not knocked about, wasn't given yeah. a hard time. 
Um, he's, he's got that run under his belt. He's got that run under his belt at Ascot. And he's, he clocked some really good times in small field conditions races last season. I think he ran against my Prospera at Windsor. That was his fastest ever time, and even though it was only a, a four and a race. So he, he's still maintaining his form, even though his form figures actually don't look that bright. Um, so, yeah, he'd been the number one choice. And, and, and the other one, I'm, I'm almost getting to the point where we're having a bit of a sort of like a loving with Jane Chapel Hyam because I've got to mention her horse, Intelligent, who was a brave, gallant second last year to mm. Dark Shift. It was obviously very well handicapped. Uh, and Intelligent, for nine tenths of that journey, looked as though she, he, he was going to pull off a shock. I think he was a 40 to 1 poke. Um, and I, there's no real reason to think why he won't run well again. Whether he's going to be good enough to beat the four, four year olds and five year olds, I don't know. Because by and large, that's the division that tends to dominate four and five year olds, the unexposed types like Perotto. Um, and I think he's eight years old now, and that, that is a little bit of a concern. Um, but I thought he ran an eye catching race at York last time out, came from a long way back, finished off his race nice at a track that wouldn't have suited him. But he does go really well over a stiff track. Um, he's got group form against some good horses uh, with stiff tracks um, after the, he ran well in the Hunt Cup. Um, so, yeah, he's another one I've definitely got to be considering on the day if he gets a decent draw. So, without wittering on about too many other horses, because I could be here all day, um, <laughs> those are the two that I've sort of like put a big circle around when I was looking at this race uh, well in advance, Parotto and Intelligent. Intelligent, 16 to 1. 365, Skybet, Hills, uh, Unibet, a couple of others as well. Uh, and at the top of the market there, Perotto, pretty much all firms. A couple go 15 to 2 and 7 to 1, but 8 to 1 widely available about Perotto, the favourite for the Royal Hunt Cup, and the one that I think Andy wants to be with, although he isn't yet. He missed the fancy prices. Uh, on to uh, the final race on the day, because the Queen's Vase is yet to be priced up. Um, it will be in the coming days, I'm sure. We've got the Windsor Castle. Um, only one firm up <clears throat> for the Windsor Castle as it stands, uh, that is Unibet, uh, but that means we can give it a preview. And Fandom and Bar Barnwell Boy are the joint favourites at 9 to 2. Maximum Impact, uh, 6 to 1. River Tiger, 6 to 1. The Liffey, 8 to 1. Alabama, 9 to 1. American Rascal, 10s. His Majesty, 10s. Mon Nassiev, 10s. Uh, a couple others at that price, too. Um, I know, Andy, that maximum, maximum Impact is a horse that. Um, came out very strongly in your mm. uh, figures on debut uh, followed that up with a, a win next time at Ascot uh, we've seen over the last couple of weeks uh, Maximum Impact in from 20 to 1 into 6 to 1 interestingly I've backed Maximum Impact for the Coventry and you've backed Maximum Impact yeah, for well. Norfolk yeah we've done really well Maximum Impact now looks like uh, we'll be turning up at the Windsor Castle what do you make of the price of sixes compared to the rest of the field yeah I mean to be fair to Sam at all our flat times um, he was onto this fella um, pretty early I think he might have mentioned it in a, in a previous podcast as well with, with Richie Passad so I'm probably going to be um, repeating a lot <laughs> what Sam said but yeah I mean I've got, I hold him in high regard as well I mean the number he did first time out at Leicester was particularly eye-catching I kind of want bottomless ground uh, yeah I know yeah exactly yeah. Yeah, you could take that one of either way you could yeah. say well you know wide margin winner is the time reliable um, but for a two-year-old to run as quick as he did in that ground, I, I took the opposite view. I thought, well, he must be pretty good to run that hard and do that number. Um, and he proved how good he is, or how versatile he is, by winning a much quicker surface next time at Ascot. Mm. And I think that was the key. You knew he was an Ascot horse. The fact that Connections took him there to give him a sight of the track. He wasn't as brilliant as he was at Leicester, but he was obviously up against a, a stiffer 
standard of opponents, uh, and I like the way you hit the line. So, of course, I was looking at that at that moment, thinking, all right, what race do I back him for? I've got to, I've got to get him in my book somewhere. I've got to get him in my portfolio. Um, and I was thinking quite high of him. I was thinking, well, surely Connections will be thinking Norfolk because that's the yeah. the best five furlong, the classy of the five furlong races. But maybe I'm a racer. I've got something else for that. So by the looks of it, all, all according to all reports, he's going to come here, um, which is it's probably the weakest of the uh, of the of the four or five uh, TO races we're going to be discussing on status as well. Yeah. Um, but that can be misleading because Little Big Bear won it last year. He parachuted into it in the last minute. Didn't run in the Norfolk when mm. everyone thought he would. And of course, he went and beat George Scott's Rocket Rodney, which is yeah. a real shame for the connections. They're still ruining that. <laughs> yeah. So you can get some real quality in this race. Uh, and maximum impact is, is definitely a quality horse. I think Fandom, the, the current market leader with, with Unibet, I think that goes to the Coventry, okay. by, the, by the looks of it. I think he's already jocked up to run in, in, in that race. Um, he'd be a very interesting contender because he was good on his debut at Keeneland. And I just will mention one at a big price, just because good. George, George Scott um, trains yeah. it and, and it's the same owner and connections as um, Rocket Rodney last year. A horse called Seven Questions, who had an eye-catching debut at Redcart. So fairly humble beginnings. He was drawn badly that day, but finished a respectable fourth against the track bias because they all went over to the far side like they tend to do now at that track. Um, and then he, he got beat at Yarmouth the other day, but he had a real tricky draw to overcome. He was drawn in stall one, and I had a feeling that stall one might just be his undoing, and that proved to be the case. He got there travelling really well, but that effort to get across to the main contender from the George Bowie stable and eyeball him, the two of them had a real joust for the lead ultimately cost him because the horse that was held off the pace came and picked their pocket. Um, but I think in a bigger field, but a better, stronger run race, um, seven questions will definitely be capable of outrunning his odds. Whether he's good enough to duplicate what Rocket Rodney did, I don't know. I don't think priced up as it stands. It probably wouldn't be, no, no, but he definitely does go. So that's one to keep your eye on. Yeah. Your, your eye on he'll be 25, 33 to one. He'll be, he'll be Not often you can say this, Andy, you know, you've, you've, you've busted the price now. I doubt that very much, but um, he, he, look, all, all I'm saying is if he, if he gets... You should come here and say there's absolutely no chance. Oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, I should have done that. But anyway, <laughs> look, I, I, I'm here to sort of like try and um, come up with a, a few alternatives to yeah. the obvious, uh, and he might well be one if he gets a good draw. So seven questions, presumably he does line up uh, in the uh, Windsor Castle. Mm. Um, he's definitely one to consider, but maximum impact would be the number one choice. Great stuff. Maximum impact, as I say, six to one. Uh, seven questions yet to be priced up. It will be in the coming days. Uh, that brings our Wednesday preview to a close. Make sure you subscribe to the Odds Checker YouTube channel. We've recorded day one. We're about to record one bumper show for days three, four, and five, given we're doing this early, so you can find those there. Download the Odds Checker app where you can find all the best prices, bookie offers, free bets, place terms, and Andy's tips, amongst others, straight to the app every single day of racing. Thank you to Andy, as ever, for sharing his tips and insight. As I say, we'll be recording another preview in just a second, so make sure you do go and check that out. Uh, hopefully a couple of winners in this one, but please do ensure that you're gambling responsibly.